सहनावतु सहनो भुनक्तु सह वीर्यम करवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तु माविद्विशावहै ओम शांति 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 Good evening and namaskars. We are studying Drigdrishya Viveka as our introduction to Vedanta and we were on verse number 17. Let us chant from a little uh, little before that from 15 onwards. Verse number 15. Antar Drigdrishya Yor Bhedam. अंतर्दृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्योर्भेदृश्यो
And we go around looking for God. God is playing a game of hide and seek with us. He's hiding. When the universe comes to an end, the term they use is pralaya. When the universe comes to an end, worlds will disappear, all life will disappear. Um, galaxies, stars, planets, all will be destroyed and absorbed back into the, into the primordial maya. And we too, the individual jivas, we will be absorbed into maya unless those who get enlightenment accept those. The rest will still remain in a potential state in maya. So we are not there anymore, not separately at least. What exists, God alone exists with his power, Maya. So at that time, God is searching for us. Where did those fellows go? They are hiding. We are hiding. We are hidden. We are hidden. And God is searching for us. Where did those fellows go? And then he creates this universe again and projects us into this universe. And we play our games for life after life. And he hides himself. And we search for God. Where did God go? So this eternal game of hide and seek is going on. So he put it so beautifully. What has happened is this. The power of Maya veils Brahman. What we learned there was, on the 15th verse, inside us, within us, we are Brahman, but we do not see ourselves as Brahman. Because... The difference between the difference between the body-mind complex and the pure consciousness illumining the body-mind complex, drashta and drishya, this difference is obscured by Maya internally. So Brahman is there, but we do not perceive. We see ourselves as body-mind, exactly like if there is a movie, we see the movie. And the screen is right there, but because the movie screen is completely covered by pictures, we fail to distinguish the screen from the pictures themselves. In the same way, our mind and consciousness are, are mixed up together for us, and we are unable to separate them. He says, Antar drik drishya yor bhedam. Internally, the difference between the witness and the witnessed, the seer and the seen. What is the seer or the witness? Pure consciousness. What is the seen? The mind. First and foremost, the mind. The ego, the mind. So these two become mixed up. And we cannot clearly differentiate between the two. So we do not realize the Atman, the Brahman within. The witness within. We think we are the mind. We are the mind, an embodied mind. That's what we feel ourselves to be. And outside what happens? Outside Brahman and the world. We read how by the power of Maya, a net of names and forms is drawn over Brahman. If you remember a few verses back, we read Maya has two powers, the veiling power and the projecting power. What is the projecting power? The projecting power of Maya is it casts a net, a network of names and forms over Brahman. So Brahman existence consciousness bliss but what we experience is the world. So outside, Bahishcha Brahma Sargayo, Sarga is a term meaning creation. The difference between Brahman and creation is obscured. We perceive the creation. Brahman is right there. Where? Everywhere. And here too. 
in every object, in every person, in every event, everything that happens in the world is actually Brahman. Just as every bench here and this table, all of it is actually wood. But if someone does not know what wood is, they will say that, oh, there are 20 benches here and a table. So in that way, the difference between the world, the universe, and Brahman gets obscured. You see, the, the projecting power of Maya is responsible for creating this universe. And this universe consists of two kinds of matter, according to Vedanta. Subtle matter, sukshma, gross matter, sthula. The subtle matter goes to form our minds, our life. I'm speaking in general terms. In uh, Vedantic terms, the pranamaya kosha, the manomaya kosha, the vijnanamaya kosha, these are all made of subtle matter. Our internal experience. Remember, this is not metaphysics, uh, metaphysical speculation. Why not, Swami? You're using so many fancy terms. Let me tell you what it refers to. It refers to the very mind you perceive inside, right now. We all of us experience thoughts, feelings, emotions. That is what is the subtle body. So it's just a name for what we are experiencing all the time. That is also a projection of Maya, subtle matter and gross matter. What is gross matter? What we experience around all of us, um, the objective world. What we see, what we hear, what we touch and, and smell and taste, that's gross matter. Now, Brahman is existence consciousness place. Here is a point to understand. Everything, all these names and forms, all these forms of matter, subtle or gross, all of them borrow existence from Brahman. That is why this world seems to exist. All these names and forms, they don't float empty. They seem to have a solid, substantial existence. Existence is borrowed from Brahman. What borrows existence from Brahman? All the matter, subtle matter and gross matter, all names and forms. And another thing to understand is the subtle matter, our minds, our minds, they borrow not only existence from Brahman, they also borrow consciousness from Brahman. The consciousness aspect of Brahman, Chit, is reflected in our minds as Chidabhasa. We have gone through this, I'm just repeating it. Consciousness aspect of Brahman is reflected in our minds as Chidabhasa. Again, no speculation. Right now, are we not aware? Are we not sentient? I hope you are aware. <laughs> Vedanta has a soporific effect. So, <laughs> I hope you are aware. So, we are aware. That sentience which we feel right now, is a reflection, is borrowed by our minds from Brahman, just as a pot of water. The water, in that water, the sun will be reflected as a little sun in, in, in the water. In the same way, Chidabhasa, literally meaning the shadow or appearance or reflection of consciousness. Subtle matter has that capacity to reflect consciousness. Consciousness being reflected in this subtle matter of our minds, awareness comes. That consciousness, that witness in the mind becomes a knower. I'm using the terms I'm translating from Sanskrit. Sakshi, witness. Pramata, knower. So the witness now becomes a knower. 
Who is this knower? You, right now. You or I may not be aware, may not be able to appreciate what the witness is right now. But we, what we are right now is what is being called the knower. And this knower, identified with the mind and body, thinks of itself as this person or that person. And interacts with the world, with the objective world. Both of these, the objective world of gross matter and the subjective world inside us of subtle matter, both of these are nothing but Brahman. They are nothing but Brahman. Brahman inside, Brahman outside. Now Brahman inside, we have been learning how to find out. The very first verse which we did when we started this, if you remember, Rupam, Drishyam, Lochanam, Drik, hmm? the seer and the seen, making a difference between the seer and the seen, trying to understand what Brahman inside is. What is outside is the seen, the one which sees is the seer. The eyes themselves are the seen, the mind is the seer. Thoughts, feelings and emotions in the mind are the seeing. And the consciousness, the witness is the seer. We learn to appreciate the witness within. That is what we are, not the mind. Not even the consciousness reflected in the mind. That's what we have been trying to do all, all along. Now, today's subject is even more exciting. We'll learn to see God in the world. Where is Brahman in the world? Let's see. Brahman is hidden in the world, they are saying, we will discover it. We are going to do some spiritual archaeology. We are going to find that big guy in the world today now. He's hidden, but not very well hidden. We can find him, or it, right now. So that's what we are going to do. How to see Brahman in this world? Where? Everywhere. In any object, in any person, in any event. Anything in this world. Brahman must be there. If Brahman is all pervasive, Brahman must be there. Let's see how we can discover Brahman. Now we come to 18th verse. Tatha Sarga Brahmanoscha Bhedam Avrityatishthati Ya Shakti Tadvashat Brahma Vikritatve Nabhasate Similarly, Brahman, under the influence of the, the uh, veiling power of Maya, the distinction between Brahman and this phenomenal universe is obscured, it's concealed. And Brahman appears as, as this changing universe. Brahman itself appears as this changing universe. Why? Because of the veiling power of Maya. Here in this world, all names and forms are changing. Look at this body which we have. They speak of six types of change. Jayate, Asti, Vardhate, Viparinamate, Apakshiyate, Nashyate. It is born. Being born, it comes into existence, the body. Then it develops. Baby, child, teenager, develops, grows, changes. And then reaches middle age, Viparinamate. Keeps on changing 
reaches a peak and then apakshiyate begins to deteriorate old age so we struggle to keep the body fit and healthy and looking good and that's good but the forces of change are inevitable it's inevitable slowly it will deteriorate so viparinamati apakshiyate it, it deteriorates and then nashyati death sixfold change for the body for any kind of name and form it undergoes change and the consciousness the brahman which this name and form covers will not change does not change it is that brahman unchanging brahman which appears as a changing body as this changing world the sixfold changes apply to the name and form they apply to name and form produced by maya by the projecting power of maya but brahman which is right there does not undergo any change it appears to undergo a change when it appears as this changing world so look at this verse similarly similar to what similar to the obscuration within where we are brahman but we are not aware of it brahman and the mind are mixed up the atman and the mind the witness and the knower the witness appears as the knower within we are unable to distinguish similarly in the world in the universe outside sarga brahmana sarga creation name and form this entire universe this objective universe and brahman which it really is even now right now the difference bhedam the difference between the two it is clear for the enlightened person they know exactly how this is brahman they know exactly how this world everything in this world is brahman it's as clear as day for them one um, very enlightened teacher was asked so how do you see brahman in the world how do you see brahman in the world you know some kind of a vague light or something like that or some kind of a concept and awareness a kind of knowledge and he says no do you know sometimes you see in the daytime you can see the moon in the distance and on this other side you can see the sun blazing forth he says for me brahman is like the sun and this world of names and forms is like the moon in every experience there is a name and form but it is so clearly brahman everything so to that extent of course they don't actually see it objectively through, the, through these eyes it is that awareness that knowledge which shines forth now bhedam the difference between the two is obscured it's obscured by ya shakti the power of maya which power the two powers are there the veiling power and the projecting power this is the veiling power it it obscures tadvashat brahma vikritatvena bhasate because of that brahman appears as if changing brahman appears as the changing universe the unchanging absolute appears as the changing universe swami vivekananda puts it so beautifully and graphically he says this universe is the wreckage of the absolute on the shores of space time and causation the wreckage of the infinite on the shores of the finite space time and causation and this that infinite alone appears it's not that it's really wrecked don't think that god has been shipwrecked 
it's, it's there absolutely untouched, as, as we shall discover. Let's go to 19th verse. Vibhati Brahma Sargayo Vedas Tayor Vikarasyat Sargena Brahma Nikvachit Here too, when the obscuration, the covering, the veiling is destroyed, then the difference between Brahman and this universe becomes crystal clear, absolutely clear, shines forth clearly. And then you see Vikara, Syat, Sarge, all change, all limitation, all creation and destruction are in name and form, in the objective world, in the world of forms. Natu Brahmani Kvachit, never ever in Brahman. It is strange. Right here is the absolute and right here is this changing universe. The universe is created. Stars are born. From stardust, planets are created. Life evolves. And the drama of life, we have got human beings and our societies and our history. Tremendous activity is going on here. Ceaseless change. And yet, right here, absolutely, there is no change in Brahman. Brahman is right here. This is the paradox. How do you reconcile the two? Logically, you cannot. What Advaita Vedanta does is, it puts them into two categories. The changing world is put in the category of the relative of the Vyavaharika of the Mithya. The unchanging Brahman is put in the category of the absolute, the noumenon, the, uh, uh, the, the, the reality, Satyam. What did I just say? It's like this. Can the desert play, be full of water and yet be dry? Can something be full of water and yet be dry? Well, not at the same time. If I say at the same time? Well, at the same time it is possible in only one case. If one of the two is false, suppose the water there is an appearance, it's a mirage, and the desert is real. Then the two can coexist. And false water, a false oasis, oasis can coexist with a real desert. A false snake can coexist with a real rope. A false blue color can coexist with a colorless sky. That means water appears. It appears to be water. In reality, it is the dry desert. It's a mirage. And the two can go very well together. A false water will not wet even a grain of the desert sand. They can go together. It can be dry desert absolutely and it can be uh, false water. It can, be, it can look like a venomous snake, it can be a harmless rope. But real water and a real dry desert cannot go together. It must be one of the two. In the same way, what Advaita Vedanta has done is that this changing phenomenal universe Advaita gives it a lower grade of reality. And the unchanging absolute, Advaita gives it an absolute grade of reality. It is called Paramarthika Satyam. Absolutely real. Brahman. Existence, consciousness, bliss. And this changing universe, 
which we experience is given a lower grade of reality called vyavaharika satyam, relative truth. It appears, you cannot deny that it appears, we experience it. And yet, it has a lower grade of reality. Why not the other way around? Seeing that we experience the universe and we don't seem to be experiencing any Brahman right now. Why not this universe is real? Because the reality of the universe is borrowed from Brahman. The reality of this universe is borrowed from Brahman, just as the reality of the table is borrowed from wood. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? The table will not exist if the wood is not there. The weight of the table is the weight of the wood. There is no other substance in this table other than the wood. In the same way, this world would not exist without Brahman. The wood can very well exist as wood, wood pilings or wood shavings, not be a table at all. In fact, it was not a table to begin with. And one day in the future, it will not be a table. But it will still be wood. So the wood, in fact, is more real than the table in the sense that it is the material out of which the table is constructed. It is the material cause. The material cause is the reality and the effect is the table. Wood is the reality and the effect is the table. In somewhat similar fashion, Existence consciousness bliss is taken as the reality. And the name and form subsists upon. In, in philosophical language, it's called supervenience. It supervenes upon, the, uh, upon Brahman. The phenomenal universe supervenes upon the noumenon Brahman. Now, here too, atrapyavriti nashena, if we, if we are able to overcome the veiling, that which veils the difference between the universe and Brahman, what will happen? The difference will become clear. The difference between the universe and Brahman. The universe and Brahman. Just like the table is right here and the wood is also right here. In fact, when we touch the table, we say touch wood. We don't say touch table, we say touch wood. In the same way, what appears to be Jiva and Jagat is in, in reality Brahman. And we just have to see what is Brahman and what is the world. In every experience of the world, what we are experiencing now, if it is Brahman plus world, then we must be able to isolate Brahman and the world. In our understanding at least, if not, not physically, but in our understanding. We must be able to separate. The technical word used in Vedanta is Viveka. Viveka. Technically in Sanskrit, Viveka, Vivich, to separate two things. Two things which are mixed up to separate them. In Sri Ramakrishna's beautiful terminology, simple example he gives, sand and sugar are mixed up. The ant can separate them. Milk and water are mixed up. The swan, Rajahamsa, it is supposed to be able to drink only the milk and let go of the water. And otherwise, as, as I say, the Golmal, I cannot translate into English. Uh, in Bengali, Golmale Malache. Uh, in English, it would roughly be something like in chaos, there is a reality and there is something false, something, something wrong. So the, you can leave the chaotic part out and take the substance, something like that. <laughs> Very difficult to translate into English. Now remember, be careful about the example. Sand and sugar are two different things. They're just mixed up and very difficult to separate. But 
Here, Brahman and the world are not two different things. The only thing you should take from the example is the process of separation. Don't think that there, is, there are little particles of sand and so particles of the world and there are little particles of sugar and little particles of Brahman. Not like that. It's more like the table and the wood. Okay. Now, how do we do it? How do we do it? All this was setting the stage for the actual excavation. Let's now dig deep. Attend to me carefully. Here comes a very beautiful verse of the Drigdrishya Viveka, one of the most beautiful verses, and oft quoted. It's often quoted, this verse. It's a famous verse, which will come now. The famous five factors of experience. We will read that now. Verse number 20. Astibhati priyam rupam Nama Chetyang Shapanchakam Adhyatrayam Brahmarupam Jagadrupam Tatodvayam Absolutely fascinating. How bold and clear they are. Exactly, they are telling you exactly what is God and what is the world. Where? In your experience. Which experience? Any experience. Any experience of the world at all. Look what he says. Every experience, the translation is every entity, actually every experience, every experience that we have has five characteristics. Is characterized by five aspects. What are they? One, existence. Number two, appearance or cognizability, or appearance, or shining, the second one. Number three, um, happiness. Literally, it means priya, likable. So, pleasure or happiness. Form and name. Nama, name. Rupa, form. Five factors. The first three are Brahman. The next, last two are the world. What does it mean? Whenever we experience anything, now all that background will come in useful. Whatever object we experience in the world is a gross object, as I said, gross matter, is a gross object what we experience, what we see, not necessarily only see, what we see, what we hear, what we touch, what we smell, taste, anything in this world is a gross object. And this gross object as, we, as I said earlier, has borrowed existence from Brahman, and therefore it appears to exist. Just as the existence of this table is actually the existence of the wood. What do I mean by that? If the wood did not exist, the table wouldn't exist. Not the other way around. If the table did not exist, the wood would still exist. It would be something else. In the same way, the existence of everything in this world we experience every object. First thing we experience is, it is. When I experience the table, table is. That's how I experience it. When I experience the chair, chair is. When I experience the person, the person is. Table exists, chair exists, person exists. That's how I experience. So that's the first thing I experience about anything. Every experience is characterized by existence. Second, every experience in order to be an experience, must be in consciousness. Without consciousness, you cannot speak about anything. 
How can you have experience without consciousness? Awareness, without being aware, without being... Consciousness must be there, awareness must be there, sentience must be there for experience to take place. So every experience also not only exists, the objects shine. I like that word shine. Look at the word, not only the bulb chandelier shines, it obviously shines. But even an, uh, like a, a humble thing, um, like a chair or a pair of slippers or shoes, it shines in the sense that you become aware of it. It shines in the light of your consciousness. So, bhati, it expresses, manifests, shines, it is known. Consciousness is there. Third, joy, pleasure, happiness. I know what question is going to come up, but wait. Let me just go ahead and finish. So there are things in this world which give us happiness, which, which we like. We like thing. Priyam means that which is like, which is dear to us. And thing is dear to us only if it makes us happy. Only if it gives us some pleasure or happiness. So that pleasure or happiness, that is also there in our experiences. And every experience has a unique name and a unique form. By form, I do not mean something that's only seen. It may be seen, but heard also. It may be touched. It's a feeling, a, a, a touch, sensation of touch, or a smell, or a taste. So these gross world, these experiences we have in the, of the world, they are characterized by a form. By form, I mean something you may see, or hear, or smell, or touch, or taste. Or it might be more abstract. It might be abstract, a concept. An idea, that also has a form, because that's how you distinguish one idea from another, one concept from another. So, it has a form. And it has a, it has a label we put on it. The way we think about it, that's called the name, the language which we use for it. So, name and form. Now, what he's saying is, having understood, you can analyze any of your experiences into these five factors. In all these experiences, you can find five factors. In these five factors, he says, the first three are Brahman. The last two are the world. The first three are Brahman, are actually borrowed from Brahman, to make it more precise. The last two are name and form, are the projections of the projecting power of Maya. The projecting power of Maya, the um, Avriti, and the Vikshepa, the projecting power of Maya, Vikshepa Shakti projects name and form. So the last two, name and form. Here is a person. The name of the person, Sam or Joe or, or Ram, whatever the name is, and the form of the person, that is the projecting power of Maya. The very existence of that person, the very fact that it is shining forth in, in, a, in experience, and the very fact that the person is dear to me, that happiness, the joy you get from it, is from Brahman. The existence of that person is borrowed from Sat, pure existence. The cognizability, the appearance, the shining for that, that experience we are getting, that is borrowed from Chit. And the joy or the dearness and the, that you like that person or the joy it gives you is borrowed from Ananda. Now you're getting impatient for the answer to your question. I hope the question is in your mind. I'm sure it is. The question will be, oh, but wait, wait, wait. We do not find pleasure or joy everywhere. 
there are things and there are things and people and uh, objects in the world which scare us which we make us unhappy so it's not that everything everything in the world is joyous or full of joy for us well it's actually like this one way of explaining this would be there are two tracks in which this verse has been explained one way let me give you a very traditional way of explaining it would be remember the distinction between gross matter and subtle matter sthula and sukshma the gross matter has the capacity of borrowing existence from brahman the gross matter has capacity for of borrowing existence from brahman therefore this entire gross universe exists seems to exist just as the name and form of the table have the capacity of borrowing existence from wood in the same way this universe has the capacity of borrowing existence from brahman what will borrow existence from brahman any name and form but there are special names and forms called subtle matter sukshma our minds subtle matter which borrow not only existence from brahman they can borrow consciousness from brahman so consciousness is reflected in our minds as chidabhasa the reflection of consciousness no speculation that's the awareness which we are feeling now each of us feels awareness in the mind in his or her own mind you feel awareness sentience that is the consciousness chaitanyam chit aspect of brahman shining in our minds why not everywhere well it's a bit like i like to give the example of sunlight sunlight is reflected from all the surfaces which we when we go out in the, into the sunlight you will see the houses and the garden and the rocks and the lakes everything is glass everything is reflecting sunlight everything reflects sunlight one but only a few of them few of them form an image of the sun a rock or the wall will not form an image of the sun but the glass will the lake will the pool of water or the bucket of water will form so there are certain substances it's an example i'm giving there are certain substances which will not only reflect the light but they will also form a little image of the sun in the same way there are there is subtle matter sukshma which will not only borrow existence from brahman but also borrow consciousness from brahman and that is our minds so asti existence where do you find it everywhere bhati shining forth awareness where do you find it only in subtle bodies in minds whose minds our minds in fact here is the distinction that vedanta makes between living beings jiva and non living jagat between the chit between the the sentient and the insentient remember how in uh, in biology class we had to make a distinction between living beings and non living beings what is the distinction between us people and the chairs we are sitting on according to vedanta according to vedanta the difference is this we are living beings we are jiva individuals sentient beings and these are insentient this insentient matter what is the difference the difference is it is only a gross body it's only a gross body we have a gross body and a subtle body the living being this jiva has a gross body plus a subtle body so we have a living gross body and a subtle body inside full of life and thought and emotion and memory and feeling the sense of ego 
All of this is part of our subtle body. So this subtle body is what distinguishes living beings from non-living beings in the book of Vedanta. Life also belongs to the subtle body in Vedanta. Pranamaya Kosha belongs to the Sukshma Sharira. So this is the distinction. So Bhati, shining forth, awareness, sentient, that is possible only in the mind, in each of our minds. That's why we find the manifestation of consciousness in the mind, not anywhere else. You say, no, I find the manifestation of consciousness in my mind and everybody else's mind. You do not actually. Think about it. What do you experience? You experience, first of all, in a sentience awareness in your mind. And with that sentient aware mind, you use your sensory apparatus to look at the world and you see certain beings, human beings, plants and animals around, which appear to be like you. Sentient beings. But you do not directly experience their sentience. Let me repeat that. None of us experiences sentience anywhere, awareness anywhere, except in his or her own mind. So what about the person sitting next to me? Are you saying that person is not sentient? Are you saying that person is, has no consciousness? The person is a zombie? Are you saying that? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that you are not aware of that person's awareness directly, the way you are aware of your own awareness. Never ever. The only place where we are aware of consciousness, where we get consciousness, is in our own minds. Third, bhati. Then third one, the question, happiness, pleasure, joy. It's only in a particular state of our mind that we experience joy. The same logic is being extended. All names and forms, everything in this universe borrows existence from Brahman. Only minds can borrow awareness, consciousness from Brahman. Only minds in a certain state can borrow joy or bliss from Brahman. That's why the only place where we experience happiness is in a certain state of mind. And Vedanta calls it a sattvic state of mind. Sattvaguna is necessary for experiencing sukha. Material happiness, any kind of happiness, it requires the mind to be in a certain state of mind, in certain state. Sukha. Sukha karavritti is necessary in the mind to experience happiness. So, now what, what have I said? This is one explanation. Why we do not experience um, joy in all beings. If in every experience there is joy, why don't we experience it? The answer is this. Though existence, consciousness, bliss is everywhere, Existence alone is manifest in everything. Existence and consciousness manifest only in our minds. Existence, consciousness, bliss manifest only in our sattvic minds. Mind in a particular state which we call happiness. That's one explanation. So, asti bhati priyam. Existence, the shiningness and the joy, they are there but they are not there then in all experiences. In only those experiences which are, which are in the mind, which are joyous, we have all three. But otherwise, every experience will definitely have existence. So existence aspect is borrowed from Sat, consciousness aspect from Chit, and the, the Priyam, likableness, um, the pleasure, is borrowed from Ananda. Satchidananda is reflected in our, exist, in our experience as Asti Bhati Priyam. Asti the being of all things. 
bhati, the shining forth of all things. Priyam, the, the pleasure, the joy we get in life. And Nama Rupa. This is the distinction between Brahman and the world. Now, here I would like to make a point. It is not that there are two things. One Brahman and one world. It's not that there is one absolute and one phenomenal world. It is only one thing. It is one thing. Brahman alone is appearing forth in all these ways. This distinction we have to make in our mind to recognize that unchanging Brahman in and through all our experiences. Then what happens? The enlightened person then, the person who understands this, focuses on the astibhati priyam, focuses on the existence consciousness place in every experience. The name and form become secondary to that person. That's why you will see in the lives of all great enlightened persons, all saints, anybody who is spiritually advanced, they seem to look upon everything with an equal vision. They are not chasing pleasure, they are not afraid of pain. They do not favor their friends, they do not hate their enemies. They find the same, they will say, the devotee will say, the same Lord in all beings, the same Asti Bhati Priyam in all experience. And what they are claiming here is, it's always available. And in every experience. What is happening is, we are looking only at the name and form. We are not noticing the existence consciousness bliss. We are not noticing the asti bhati priyam. What they are inviting us to do is, in every experience of the world, notice, become aware, take the attention away from the name and form towards the existence. This exists and this exists and this exists. Instead of thinking of it as a microphone, as a table and as a scarf. Think of it as existence with the name and form of a table. As existence with the name and form of a microphone. As existence itself with the name and form of a scarf. That's what Vedanta is asking us to do. It is not that we think of a wave with water. There's water in the wave. Vedanta is asking us to say that, look at the water itself. Water is appearing with the name and form of the wave. Imagine all of this as an ocean of existence. Everything around. It is in fact. You just have to say a new way, a strange way of looking at things. We are surrounded by an ocean of existence here. And in this ocean of existence, just like the Pacific Ocean which is an ocean of water, there are waves, big waves and small waves and surf, and bubbles in the same way in this ocean of existence. There are chairs and tables and people, some are moving around, some are not moving around. Uh, there is this entire, you know, there are planets and atoms. All of them are names and forms, the reality is existence. What are you? You're also existence. That existence does not change. What changes are the names and forms. It was existence alone, which appears as the wood, as a tree, as a table, as a broken table. It's the same existence. So this is what they are asking us to do. Now how do we do it? This is the concept, the theory behind it. What you have to do is first listen to this carefully, read it repeatedly so that you understand what they are trying to say, then clear out all doubts through reasoning. Shravana Manana. Now, after understanding this, once we begin to get 
a glimpse of what they are talking about. Remember, it's nothing very vague or abstract. You see, this is the most clear thing that we have all the time. But amazingly enough, Swami Vivekananda used to call it the open secret. Very beautifully said. The open secret. It's right there. God is hidden, but hidden right in, in plain sight. Right in plain sight. It's hidden right here. Within us and outside us. Hidden right here. But we don't notice. We don't look. Look. Swami Vivekananda put it very forcefully. Do not seek him. Just see him. It's like saying, you know, it's like saying the reality of the wave is water. Look deep into the wave, you will find water. What deep into the wave? <laughs> deep in the wave, in the middle of the wave, on the top of the wave, up above it, below it, it's all water. Sometimes mystical language, abstract analysis, obscures the fact that you're talking about the most vivid thing in our lives. After all, what do we experience anywhere throughout our lives, anything other than existence itself, in various forms and names? There's this story, but it's hidden. It's hidden in this way, the veiling power of Maya, Avriti. There's a story of a, of a businessman traveling in a train in India, long distance train, from the north to the south maybe he was traveling, and he gets up and sits in the train, and the person sitting opposite to him is actually a thief looking for an opportunity to steal money. And the thief sees the businessman bring out a wad of cash and count it. And the thief looks like that. And the businessman stuffs it back and goes to sleep. The thief makes all plans that when the businessman is fully asleep at night, he'll sneak in and take the money out. And when the businessman is asleep, and the thief quietly sneaks up and starts searching carefully, always becoming startled when the businessman you know, sort of changes sides and rolls over, whatever. And he searches and searches and searches and he couldn't find anything. And when it's becoming daytime, he gets uh, nervous and he goes back to his bunk, but he cannot sleep. And as day breaks, the businessman gets up from his bunk and stretches and yawns. And as the thief is watching, he takes out a wad of cash and counts it <laughs> and puts it back. The thief is stunned. What happened? Anyhow, the next last, the second day of the journey, that's the last night, again the thief tries it, and he's, again he cannot find anything. Now he's thoroughly puzzled. Next day in the morning, he is terribly tired. He dozes off, suddenly startled, awakes, and sees the businessman is getting ready to leave. He's counting the cash. And, and the thief couldn't restrain himself any longer, and he asked the businessman, Sir, will you please tell me, where did you hide the cash? And the businessman said, Why? Under your pillow. <laughs> Under your pillow, the last place you'll ever think of looking. <laughs> You're trying to get cash which you already had. It was in, in, your, in your pillow itself. That's where God has hidden its, himself. Right in front of our eyes. Right here. Now, how do we discern this? This is what we learned today. But how do you make it a living reality? It's difficult to wrap our minds around this thing. But once you do, how do you make it a living reality? How do you get benefit from it? How does it help you to overcome suffering and sorrow in life? So for that purpose, there's something called nididhyasana, the process of assimilation. The truth which we have heard, which we have understood. The second part is vital. We must understand first. <coughs> Having understood that, make it a living reality. There are techniques. There are six techniques which we shall learn in the class. I think we have it next week the class next week. 
So we shall start those techniques. How do you assimilate this truth? How do you practice it moment to moment? Those te techniques will come. And as I say, people, when they hear about this, they say, oh, that's the real thing. Let's jump ahead to that. No, you cannot jump ahead. It's like if some physics professor teaching you physics, uh, quantum mechanics in um, UCLA. And uh, he says, the main thing is, think deeply about it and you'll get it. And if the student says, okay, so thinking deeply about it is the main thing. So I'll bunk all the classes. I will not read any books. I'll sit quietly and think deeply about it. <laughs> you'll never get it that way. You have to attend the classes. You have to read the books. You have to put, it thing, put in a lot of thinking. And then sit quietly and dwell on it. It will come to you. And it will come. That part is not so difficult. And so the techniques we will take up next week. Um, let's take up questions before we end. All right, there are two questions. Hey, uh, how would you answer this from the point of view? Uh, if there's a, a tree in the forest, and the tree is growing, and the tree is growing, and the tree is growing, and the if the tree, it's an old question in philosophy. Yeah. So if a tree falls in a forest and there's nobody to hear it, does it make a sound? Yeah. Well, let's just put it very simply. Actually, it's a question that is used for distinguishing between realism and idealism. But from Vedanta point of view, you can take a very realistic answer also. If you take, let me give you a technical answer. If you take uh, the basic approach of Srishti Drishtivada, the Lord creates this universe with the power of Maya. So the tree falls and just like obeying the laws of physics, waves are generated. Now they are not called sound until somebody hears them. Obviously waves are generated when any physical object falls. So it becomes a sound only when a sentient being hears it as sound. But the physical part of it is still there. So it's a very realistic explanation, and Vedanta has no objection to it. Vedanta is often con confused with idealism. The world is not there in the mind of the observer, as an idealist would say. The world appears in Brahman. Both the observer and the observed appear in Brahman. What you call the mind of the observer is subtle matter. What you call the observed universe is gross matter. The same Brahman appears as the observer and the observed. Swami Vivekananda puts it beautifully. He says, one alone exists. It appears as nature, soul. So the, in that one, this universe is appearing. The question. We'll come to you first. Five elements, yes. And that was introduced by finding Brahman. Brahman. In order to find Brahman in your experience, yes. In order to find Brahman in my experience. Experience of the world, yeah. The idea was, the question is that uh, the five elements were introduced to find Brahman. So how do you do that? The five elements are the elements of our experience in, of the world. And we have said earlier that Brahman is hidden by the name and form of the world. So the five elements are the name and form, existence, consciousness, bliss. Asti, bhati, priyam. The existence of a thing, the appearance of the thing in knowledge, and the joy that it sometimes gives us. So, now it says that in these five factors, concentrate on those, those three. 
asti bhati priyam. That is, that's not directly Brahman. It's borrowed from Brahman. One experiment you can do. In fact, let me tell you where I read about it. A student of philosophy was talking to his professor and um, the professor explaining something like Vedanta to him. Uh, he was saying that, see, what do you see in front of you? Well, the lawn of your house and beyond that, well, the road, beyond that, the meadows, beyond that, the hills in the distance, beyond that, um, the sky, and beyond that, and the person says, the student says, why me? You see, what happens is when actually when you're emptying your mind, space helps you to empty the mind, you find that everything is experienced in consciousness, in your awareness. So the five factors which are introduced here, they help you to focus. They'll, if you want to say that Brahman is hidden here, what you are experiencing is Brahman plus name and form. It's like I'm saying, the wood is hidden by the table. Then I must point out what is wood here and what is table here. The name and the form are table. The material itself is wood. Similarly, name and form are world, existence, awareness, and joy are Brahman. Mm. Not the feelings, that they are borrowed from Brahman. Yes. And the world, yes. How, in what category of things then do you distinguish between um, the world or the universe and Maya? The world or the universe is a product of Maya. It is pervaded by Maya. It is Maya itself. No. You see, what they are claiming here is, you see, if I ask you, what are you experiencing? You'll say the world. And the Vedanta says, no, not just the world. You are experiencing the world covering Brahman. The world veiling Brahman. You are experiencing world plus Brahman right now. If you say that, then you, if, if we say that, your question, next question will be, if I am experiencing Brahman plus world, then what in my experience is the world and what in my experience is Brahman? And the answer they gave was, the name and forms which you experience are the world, and that is Maya. And the existence consciousness bliss is Brahman. So then the, so then the world and Maya are the same. Are the same. Maya is the cause, the name and form, which uh, gives us the world. But remember, when, they, when, we say, we, when we say, I am experiencing the world, I am experiencing world plus Brahman, or Brahman plus world. Brahman covered over by the world. Yes. Well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm having a hard time with the two metaphors and maybe I'm attaching too much to them. The snake and the rope, the mirage in the desert. Yes. And yet that is very vivid. Huh. And then, but when you use the table and the wood, that seems like both are much more real. The table, I mean, you know, if it's a table as much as it was a tree. Yes. All right. It's a very good question. And I'll just dwell on it for a little while and then stop here. But if you want, you can take it up next class also. It's important to note this. In Vedanta, because language breaks down at the point of expressing the Absolute. The language, language is never meant to express the Absolute. Language is meant to deal with the relative world. 
So because language breaks down, we are forced to rely on several strategies. One of them is using examples, metaphors. Now when using examples, examples can be very useful to teach something, but they can be very dangerous also. Because the teacher, when he is using the example, knows what he means. But the student may not. Student may not. If you say that man is like a lion, you mean the man is as brave as a lion or as fierce as a lion or whatever. If you, but the student may understand that the ma man sort of goes around on all fours and jumps on the unwary people. <laughs> may understand that. Doesn't know what you mean. In the same way, I'll just answer that very sh uh, briefly and end it here. When you say, when, when Vedanta says, the snake and the rope, rope is like Brahman, snake is like the world. Now, in the case of snake and the rope, the moment you see the rope, the snake vanishes. The snake has no existence at all, in the beginning, in the middle, or in the end. It's the rope alone which exists. Nothing has happened to the rope to make it a snake. So all these things are understood from the example and correct. They apply to Brahman and the world. In the case of the table, or in what they use, the clay and pot, or here the table and the wood, what confuses us is, it seems that the table is as real as the wood. And you make something, make the shape that wood into a table. So is Brahman somehow shaped into this world? The answer is no. When you talk about table and wood, clay and pot, it took me a long time to understand this. Clay and pot, table and wood, only one thing and one thing alone is being, um, is being intended here. They are not saying that the clay has been shaped into a pot and so Brahman has been shaped into the world. No. They are not saying the table has been made into a table, the wood has been made into a table by a carpenter, so God has made the world out of something. No. Only one thing is meant here. The entire existence of the table is wood. The only thing here actually is wood. If you, ex if you examine it, the top is wood, the bottom is wood, the sides are wood, the weight of the table is the weight of the wood. Are they equally real? They are not equally real. Why? Because the wood can exist without the table. It can exist as a tree. It can exist as a broken table. It can exist as wood powder. It's the same wood. Just as water can exist without being a wave. But the wave cannot exist without water. Do you get it? The wave cannot exist without water. And so the wave is not real like the water. There are, let me put it this way, the reality of the wave is the reality of the water. In the same way, the reality of this world is Brahman. We will leave it at this and then next take up the techniques, the six techniques for assimilating it, to make it a real thing in our lives. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanam Astur